Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Morning and welcome to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes. And for the next 30 minutes, please stay with me. I promise you it'll be 30 minutes of motivation, inspiration, education, and I promise you it will be no manipulation. We do not have hidden gimmicks. We are not trying to sell you anything. This is not an infomercial. Not going to ask you to join up. Not going to ask you to fess up. We're just going to ask you to listen up. Listen carefully to the clear and concise message that I'll try to bring to you today. Hopefully, a message that is not human speculation, but divine revelation designed to help you verify and identify the plan of God for your life. If you can do that, then you always have the freedom and the privacy to orient and adjust to that plan. That's up to you. But our show, The Flatline, as we have just passed a milestone, we've just gone by 500 shows, so this will be the 501st Sunday that we've been on the radio. And God has provided all of the necessary uh, supplies for us to do this. He's paid for it all. He's strengthened me through it all, given me insight through it all. And most of all, he's allowed me to know you by means of the radio. Those of you that have listened faithfully, those of you that have written, those of you that have encouraged us, thank you. And it is my prayer that the Lord will allow me to hit a thousand of these things down the road. As long as he will allow it, I'll be here. Someone once told me, my pastor years ago said, if God's in it, God will pay for it. Don't worry about the timing. And I believe that completely. And so here we are. And remember the flat line is a military analogy. We're using this military metaphor to explain how the Christian life works. We're talking about you forming a defensive perimeter in your soul made up of 10 unique problem-solving devices that are called a flat line, a forward line of troops. And as you learn this ten, uh, these 10 unique problem-solving devices, then it's very possible that you could do this. And you can stop the outside source of adversity before it ever becomes the inside source of stress. Adversity is inevitable, and yet stress is optional, because adversity is what circumstances do to you, and stress is what you do to yourself. And the Christian life is a very unique life. It's a supernatural life. It's a life designed to be lived by two supernatural powers. You can't live it until you tap into these powers. The first one is God the Holy Spirit, whom Jesus Christ our Lord sent to mentor us and tutor us. He even said he would send his Holy Spirit, and he would be our guide, and he would lead us in truth. And he even promised not to worry about what we should say when the time comes, that the Holy Spirit would help us and give us the right words to say. And so the Holy Spirit's ministry to the Christian is a supernatural ministry. God the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, and he empowers you as long as you don't quench him and grieve him by committing personal sin. When that happens, you shut off the power, and you move under control of your sinful nature. 
And even though you could be doing the right things, you are doing them in the wrong way because you're doing them now in the energy of the flesh. And so the supernatural power of God the Holy Spirit is mandated in Ephesians 5.18. Be filled with the Spirit. And also the supernatural power of God's Word. Hebrews 4.12 says the Word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit, and the joint and the marrow is a critic of thought and intents of the heart. The Word of God is alive and powerful. When you learn the Word of God and store it in your memory center, it becomes part of your frame of reference. It rolls through your stream of consciousness. That's when the Holy Spirit can take it and use it and it becomes what the Bible calls wisdom, biblical wisdom. It gives you the perspicacity to understand how to deal with circumstances in your life. It gives you the ability to understand the biblical mandates regarding love that are so misunderstood in the church today. And so that's why it's essential that as a Christian, you understand the importance of the filling of the Holy Spirit, problem-solving device number two in our flatline, and you understand the importance of biblical orientation, problem-solving device number five. With these in mind, then you can go on and be the kind of believer God intended for you to be, the kind of believer that represents Jesus Christ to his friends and his community and represents Christ in his home and his local church. Today I want to talk about something that's critical. It's called the abundance of possessions. The abundance of possessions. If there's anything that can distract a Christian, if there's anything that can get us off course and get us uh, discredited before God, anything that can discourage us, it's possessions. And if there's ever been a time when anyone in the world has an abundance of possessions, it's now in the United States of America. We have an abundance of possessions. And I can make a few jokes about that, but uh, you understand what I'm talking about. Possessions. Americans are rich by the standard of the rest of the world. We have cars, we have homes, we have boats, we have motor homes, we have trailers, we have extra homes, we have clothes, we have suits, shirts, shorts. We got a lot of stuff. And all that abundance of possessions is sometimes misleading. Sometimes you can fool yourself, and it can distract you from God's plan for your life. So let's take a look at this, and let me tell you where I got this motivation for this message. In Luke twelve fifteen, the Bible says, Take heed and beware of covetousness, that's greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. Did you hear that? Take heed and beware of greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of things that he possesses. If you look around your house right now, or look around into that automobile you're driving this morning, that is not your life. Your life doesn't consist of that house you live in and the property that you own, and the possessions that are in that house. The real you is what you think. 
that's where you are. And when God wants to check you out, he doesn't look at your possessions. He doesn't look at your property. He looks at your soul. He looks to see what you're thinking. And in this passage, the one that I just read to you in Luke 12, 15, our, our Lord was speaking to his disciples. You see, he had just been interrupted by a rude man. This particular man had asked our Lord Jesus Christ to arbitrate a problem. There was a will, and his brother had kept all the possessions of the will. His brother didn't give this young man his half, and so he comes to our Lord, and he asks him to arbitrate the will. All right, excuse me. And uh, our Lord would not do it. He said, who made me a judge over you? And what led me to tell you the things I'm about to tell you today is that recently, as I was listening to my pastor teach this passage, my pastor has been doing a series in the life of Christ for over 700 hours now, and he was teaching this passage, and it inspired me to mention it to you. You see, the man who requested this arbitration was greedy for his share of the family inheritance after the death of his parent. But our Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, would not settle his case, since that did not appear to be his mission. But he did use this moment to teach the disciples a lesson on greed. And to illustrate what he taught, he went on to explain to them in Luke chapter 12 a parable, a parable that he wanted them to come to understand. I'm going to turn over to Luke 12 and uh, read this parable to you now. And he spoke a certain parable to them, saying, The ground of a rich man yielded plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? And so he said, I'm going to do this, do that. I will pull down my barns, build bigger barns, greater barns. I'll store all my crops and all my goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods. You've laid up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You are a fool. This night your soul will be required of you. And then whose will those things be which you have provided? And so is he who lays up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. When my pastor taught this, and by the way, that's R.B. Thiem the third pastor of Baraka Church in Houston, Texas. When he taught this, it just absolutely opened my eyes to so many things. So let's start off with the word covetousness, being a covetous person. And uh, in Luke 12, 15, and he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. It's from the Greek word pleonexia, and it means to be greedy or to have the desire to have more. And so we have a warning from the Word of God to beware of greed. And if we tie this in with the word abundance, perisuo in the Greek New Testament, so we have two Greek words, pleonexia and perisuo. Perisuo means to abound or overflow. So what the passage is telling us is that life does not consist in the overflowing of things that we possess. It's a simple principle. 
It's a principle that you and I should always remember. Our happiness does not consist in the details of life. Do you hear me? Our happiness does not consist in the details of life. We would call those things temporal blessings. And the truth of Scripture is this, that God does, in fact, provide temporal blessings and to mature believers, yes. But as an unbeliever, a person that has not accepted Christ as Savior, that person could also obtain fantastic temporal blessings living in a client nation. It could be related to his business acumen, or maybe inheritance, or maybe even to something that he's won. For the mature believer, those blessings can come in many different packages. But listen to 1 Chronicles 29.12. Both riches and honor come from you, O Lord, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. So the first thing we have to remember is that if anyone is wealthy or rich or abundance in their possessions, it came from God. It didn't come from their own ability. It came from God. Why can I say that? Because every breath you take is a gift from God. Any minute, any day, any place, he could pull the plug. And what about then? All your money, all your wealth, all your work, all your energy, gone. And I promise you something. You may be the wealthiest person listening to me, but when you die, the interstate traffic won't stop. It's not. The television stations won't shut down. The radio stations won't quit playing music. You will simply die. And you will be remembered by your loved ones and your friends. They will have fragrance of memories. But all of your wealth and all of your possessions will mean nothing. And so life doesn't consist of that. There are sorts of blessings that sometimes you don't even think about. If you are, in fact, a believer who's learning God's Word and applying God's Word into your life, well, those blessings could come in a lot of different packages. You could have professional prosperity. You say, what is that? Well, it's maximum success or maximum efficiency in a profession, such as the military or law or medicine or science. I have a wonderful friend that I look up to and admire greatly. And uh, he's been very, very, very blessed in the military. He's had a lot of professional prosperity. And uh, he's a two-star general, retired. Amazing man. And priority number one in his life is not his career. It's the Word of God. And so professional prosperity is always based on priority number one in your life. That's what Matthew 6 says. If you'll seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, I'll give these other things to you, God said. And there may be things you would like to have in your life. And I'm not telling you God will give them to you, but I'm telling you, if you'll put, if you'll put the priority number one, learning and applying God's word into your life, there's nothing, no good thing God will hold back from you. Now, he's not going to give you something that will destroy you. See, sometimes people want something they don't have the capacity to handle. 
And capacity is a very, very tricky thing because it's tied up with contentment. And that simply means this. If you're not content with what you have now, then you would not be content with anything you wish to have in the future. And so capacity starts with contentment. If you're content, then God can pour something into your life, and it won't distract you or destroy you. But if you're not content, then all you will do is want for more. So professional prosperity is one of the many blessings that the mature believer can expect from God. And it can be an abundance of possessions for him. There can be business prosperity. You could start a business, watch that business grow, watch that business make lots of money and sell it. That's usually why people do it. They build a business and then sell it. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that as long as you remember the source of the prosperity. As long as you remember that both riches and honor come from you, O Lord, and you reign over all. You have nothing without God allowing it because he allows the very breath you breathe. You know, if, if, he, if he didn't control gravity, you couldn't even make it to work today because you'd just float up in the air somewhere. So God's grace is seen every day. He gave you the brains you have. He gave you the ability that you have. He gave you the environment that you're in, especially if you live in free America. And so it's not all you. There's also something called social prosperity. It's real. Social prosperity is for the mature believer as well, where he has maximum possession of loving, faithful, reliable friends, maximum friendship, people that can be laconic. I like to be around laconic people. I like to be around people that that can keep a secret also, that don't talk about you behind your back, that don't judge you. Those are the kind of friends that we want, faithful friends, reliable friends. And you know, there can also be, for the mature believer, a romantic prosperity that God can give you phenomenal blessings in marriage and romance. It's an amazing thing to watch God bring the right person into your life and to watch God take that right person once you've married that right person, man or woman, and to see your marriage relationship grow and prosper in love by means of the grace of God. As you study God's word together and grow together, your love for each other will intertwine and you will have the most phenomenal relationship the world has ever seen. People will be amazed at your love for your spouse and at your love for God. That is the romantic prosperity I'm talking about. There could also be, for the mature believer, the blessing called mental prosperity. It's the ability that God gives you to focus and concentrate and organize, even to analyze situations. This could be promotion for you as well. There's a lot more. But this is how God blesses us in so many ways, in our possessions. However, at the same time, These are not things that we do on our own. These are things that the Father gives us. In the 23rd Psalm of David, a psalm you probably learned as a child, 
My cup runneth over. Now, if you consider a coffee cup and you understand it's a container, and if you fill it up too full, it's going to run over. And uh, this is indicative of blessings that spill out into the lives of those that are around you. As a mature believer, there are blessings by association. So if someone is associated with you who is not a mature believer, then they get blessings overflowing from your life. There is family blessings. There's historical blessing. Many different types of blessing. So if you want to align yourself with someone, you would want to align yourself with someone who is a spiritually mature believer so that the blessing from his cup would overflow into your life and you have blessing by association. On the other hand, if you align yourself with a loser, if you align yourself with an arrogant, self-righteous, you know what? Well, then you can imagine what's going to overflow from his life, much more than you can handle. And so it's really up to you. You have volition. God gives you the decision to choose. And you can choose who you want to hang around. But I can tell you something. I want to hang around spiritually mature believers so their cup overflows and blesses me. I see that every day of my life. So many of the people that I'm associated with bless me every day by their cup overflowing. In Psalm 31, 19, How great is your goodness which you have laid up for those who respect you. That's right, God does provide blessings for those that respect him. But on the contrary, the disadvantaged people, the people who assume they manufacture their own prosperity on their own ability, the people that don't know Jesus Christ for say, as Savior, they're in for a big shock. In Psalm 49, verses 1 through 15, the Bible is pretty clear. It has a as a warning for all of those who esteem wealth and possessions more than spiritual blessings and eternal security through Christ our Lord. Let me read some of it to you. In Psalm 49, Hear this, all people, and give ear, all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall give understanding. I will incline my ear to a proverb, and I will disclose my dark sayings on the harp. Why should I fear in the days of evil, when the iniquity at my heels surround me? Those who trust in their wealth and boast in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his own brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their souls is costly and it shall cease forever, that he should continue to live eternally and not see the pit. For he sees wise men die, and likewise the fool and the senseless person perish, and they leave their wealth to others. Their inner thought is that their houses will last forever, their dwelling places to all generations, and they call their lands after their own names, and nevertheless, Though in honor, it does not remain. He's like the beast that perishes. 
This is the way of those who are foolish and of their posterity, of, of, of the posterity of those who approve their sayings. Like sheep, they are laid in the grave. Death shall feed on them. The upright shall have dominion over them in the morning, and their beauty shall be consumed in the grave far from their dwelling. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, and he shall receive me. Did you hear that? This verse in Psalm 49, verse 1, starts off with, Hear this. Some people listen, but they don't hear. They stonewall God. Hear this, all the inhabitants of the world, both rich and poor together. Then he went on to say, the writer went on to say, um, this is a psalm of David here, my mouth will speak wisdom and the meditations of my heart will give understanding. The significance of those two words is critical. In Proverbs 2, chapter, verses 2 through 5, the Bible says this, Incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding. Because if you seek her as you seek silver, and if you search for understanding as you search for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. The greatest wealth you could ever possess has nothing to do with gold and silver. It's the wealth of wisdom and understanding. In Psalm 49.6, the writer wrote, Those who trust in their wealth and boast in their multitude of riches can by any means redeem his brother, nor can he give God a ransom for him. No, he can't. In Psalm 49.10, by the way, only Jesus Christ could redeem us. And the ransom that was required by God was his spiritual death on the cross, judging him instead of me. In Psalm 49, verse 10, For he sees wise men die, and likewise the fool and senseless persons perish, and they leave their wealth to others. They think their house will last forever, and they think their dwelling places for all generations. And they call their lands after their own names. Nevertheless, the man, though in honor does not remain, he's like the beast that perishes. In 49.13, this is the way of those who are foolish and their posterity who approve their sayings. Like the sheep, they are laid in the grave. Death shall feed on them. The upright shall have dominion over them in the morning, and their beauty shall be consumed in the grave far from their dwelling but God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. The greatest wealth in the world is to have a redeemed soul, to be free from the penalty of sin, and to have eternal future with God the Father by means of the work of Jesus Christ as anointed Son. Are you wealthy in that aspect? If not, I encourage you, make the greatest decision you could ever make and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says thou shalt be saved. Until next week, this is your host Rick Hughes saying thank you for listening to The Flotline. 
Thank you for listening to The Floodline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054, or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.